Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the minister here, and we're so grateful uh, that you joined us here for worship. We frame our announcements in our five practices, and uh, these are practices that we try to live by. Sometimes we struggle, sometimes we get it right. Um, our first one is radical hospitality. What can we do to make sure that someone feels welcome to the church? And our children's director, Aaron Knight, has an announcement there. Good morning. We have supper at 6 the first Wednesday of every month, and we are going to resume that for the year starting on February 1st, so that's a week from this Wednesday. We hope you'll join us. Um, the menu is uh, a lighter one this time, soup. You can either have tomato basil, potato, or chili, and salad, chicken, Caesar, or garden, uh, as well as a rolling or cornbread, and then this is less light, pound cake and brownies. <laughs> so you'll have earned those with your healthy eating. Um, and then the children will have grilled chicken chicken tenders, macaroni and cheese, and cookies. And Joe will be sharing a few words with us as we're starting to think about Valentine's Day and, and one kind of love. Joe will be talking to us about how to speak lovingly to God. And the children will have an opportunity to make Valentine's for Meals on Wheels clients. So um, I hope you'll join us. Again, that is February 1st. If you want to just sign your roster um, with your attendance that says you'd like to be there and if you have children or adults um, so we can get a head count, that would be great. It is $8 for adults and six for children. We also strive to practice intentional faith development here. And to that end, we're going to have a vacation Bible school this summer. At, uh, um, it's Hero Central themed, which is going to be a lot of fun. The kids will um, talk about how they can be God's heroes. June 12th, which is a Monday through the 15th, which is a Thursday. That'll be an evening vacation Bible school. And on the 18th of June, uh, the Sunday, the kids will be performing the 9 o'clock service, which will be really special, Father's Day. So um, we will try to honor God and our fathers that day. Um, be looking for uh, more announcements for that so you can register your child as well as let me know if you care to volunteer. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. I'm going to call on our mission chair, Daryl Risforth, to talk about risk-taking mission and service. Our church has individually and even on the Sunday school class and occasionally on the church level been very generous to this community and the greater world. As the chair of this committee this year, Daryl's focus will be to help our whole church to understand what we're all doing and celebrate it and uh, make it bigger. Good morning. I'm Daryl Rishforth. And I have two events I'd like to uh, discuss today. One is Redbird Mission. Redbird Mission is a United Methodist Conference located in Beverly, Kentucky. They minister to some of the poorest people in the United States. The poverty level there is just, uh, it's, it's really bad. So we are going on a trip uh, to support Redbird. It is May the 7th to the 13th. If you're interested, please let me know. You don't have to have big uh, carpenter skills, but we do work out in the community and uh, trying to help uh, people that have houses that are not in good shape, I'll say it that way. And um, you can read more about it if you want to go uh, on the website. It's rbmission.org. Uh, the second thing I'd like to announce is that we're entering into a partnership with Emmaus Hammer, Emmanuel's Hammer, I'm sorry, <laughs> and uh, it's a local group that works here in South Carolina and sometimes right in the Greenville area. We have a, there's a project coming up in Taylor's uh, this spring and there'll be more announcements about that later. 
uh, just let me know if you uh, need more information. Uh, there, it's ehammer1.org if you want to look it up on the, on the internet. Thank you. Thank you, Daryl. Uh, please stand as you're able and join us with our first hymn. We're going to sing the first, second, third, and last. Let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen.
Please be seated. Keep your hymnal out and turn to page 38 in your Bible, or in your hymnal. And I'm going to call the Tompkins forward. We're celebrating two things with the Tompkins family. Um, they're joining and a baptism. And I'll make fun of myself. I called Marsha Mays a good while ago and I said, Marsha, which one's Jamie and which one's Lee? She said, Jamie buys jewelry. That's how you remember, okay? When you're looking at Jamie and Lee, Jamie buys jewelry. I'll ask you all very simple questions about joining our church. As members of Christ's Universal Church, will you be loyal to the United Methodist Church and do all in your power to strengthen its ministries? As members of this congregation, will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? Excellent. We're glad to have you. Welcome. <laughs> um, there's a commendation and welcome, but we have a commendation and welcome in the baptismal liturgy as well, so I'm going to save that till the absolute end. So if you'll turn to the baptismal covenant on the next page. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. I present Porter Joseph Tompkins for baptism. If you all turn towards me. Mm. On behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church which, is, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? Will you nurture this child in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example he may be guided to accept God's grace for himself, to profess his faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? Amen. Congregation, we now turn to you. Do you as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include this child now before you in your care? With God's help, we will proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ. We will surround this child with a community of love and forgiveness that he may grow in his service to others. We will pray for him that he may be a true disciple who walks in the way that leads to life. Please join me in the thanksgiving of the water on page 41. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of God's mercy each day. 
In the fullness of time you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Declare his works to the nations, his glory among all the people. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and he who receives it, to wash away his sin and clothe him in righteousness throughout his life, that dying and being raised with Christ, he may share in the final victory. All praise to you, Eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever. Amen. Yeah. Porter Joseph Tompkins, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What's up? You say, hey, you want to crawl around now that you're learning to crawl? Our confirmation class met for the second time today. We have an awesome class. We talked about how God loves us before we know what love is. How teachers, parents, coaches, people in church prepare things for you before you understand them and can fathom them. That's why we have infant baptism in the United Methodist Church. Each of you have participated in this blessing today to help raise this child and help this family as they become vital members of our congregation. And for that, I'm grateful. He's being good. We're going to hold him down low, and you're going to put your hand on him too. Order Joseph Tompkins, the Holy Spirit work within you, that being born through water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. Look at number 16 with me. Members of the household of God, I commend this family to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love. We give thanks for all that God has already given you, and we welcome you in Christian love as members together with you in the body of Christ and in this congregation of the United Methodist Church. We renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. The God of all grace who has called us to eternal glory in Christ establish you and strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit that you may live in grace and peace. Welcome. Welcome. I want you all to keep your hymnal open because we have a change in the wording in the United Methodist Church. You get to write in a book today. So get a pencil. Out of the thing. Simon says get a pencil. You see our service that's in bold that you just said? After our service, I want you to put, and our witness. Scratch out, and our before service, and write in, and our witness. So that you'll say, in the ministries of the church, by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. That's telling the story through our actions and our words. You may be seated. 
Once you've done that, and thank you for doing that, I'd like you to turn to page 611 in your hymnal. We're going to remain seated and to celebrate a baptism. Our new tradition is to sing the first and third verses of this song together, and you'll be led by the choir. scripture lesson, but before I do, I spent a quarter of my life away from God. And that liturgy is what brought me back. It's really powerful. Our scripture lesson is from Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 4. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. This is the word of God for the people of God.
Let us pray. Gracious God, guide us as we read the text of the transition from John the Baptist to Jesus. Of the anxiety, the fear on the part of the political and religious establishment, of the anxiety and the fear of the people who might follow Jesus, of the way that humans lash out when they're scared and they're anxious. Help us to see the way you offer peace in those moments, the calling that you place on our lives, the opportunities that we have to fulfill the liturgy that we read together today. Bless us, Lord. Lead us. Inspire us as we pray the prayer your Son taught His disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time for our offering. And if you uh, remember to write in the register, if you would like to come to the meal and the number and the children's number. And if you would like to give online or text to give, if that's your practice, you'll see uh, instructions on how to do that in the bulletin.
Please be seated. <laughs> I was doing that earlier in the service. Is it okay now? Can you hear me? Okay. Sometimes I'm just too powerful. You know, people tell me that. I got to dial it back. Right, Ralph? Right. See, you got to pay attention, regardless of the worship service that you go to, the people, the talented musicians and leaders that pick our music for both of our services, pick such great music to go along with the theme that's happening, what's going on, of redemption, of pulling back, of starting over, of getting to the foundation, Don sharing the liturgy and what that meant to him. So much of today's um, text and theme is about there are better days ahead. And sometimes we have to hear that because it's been such an amazing thing and we think, you know what, this isn't it. This isn't the culmination of everything we want to be. Sometimes we have to hear it because we're broken. And uh, we say this is not the end of the story. And the gospel lesson today and the Isaiah passage that Don read both are that theme. We are in a broken spot. This is not the end of our story. We have opportunities ahead of us. So let's turn to Matthew 4, starting with verse 12. And you can find that on page 1500 or right around there in your pew Bible if you'd like to read along. And I'll read different parts of it. You can hold it open. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So the passage that Don read is from Isaiah. Our gospel passage today references that moment as inspiration for Jesus' time, the time when he's there. So it's important words from two very distinct moments in time that have a similar theme. And both of them have to do with the darkness and the light. Let's talk about Jesus' time. His predecessor has been arrested, John the Baptist, for saying what he thought should have been said to the political leadership. They didn't care for it. So they put him in prison and will eventually take his life. Jesus knows the ramifications of leading this ministry now because it puts him directly in line to have to say what has to be said, which will put him at odds not only with the religious leadership of his people, who won't like that he modifies, according to them, what the law is. He won't uh, get along with the political people, the Romans, who could really care less about the religious part. They just want you to say that they're in charge. And he'll say that he is the Lord. He is God on earth. Both entities have similar agendas. Both entities will be united in their dislike for what he says. The oppressive, violent government of the Romans is threatening everyone, and Jesus' time is beginning. Reflecting upon that darkness, the author of the Gospel of Matthew harkens back to Isaiah and the darkness that the people of that time were experiencing. Then, under the oppression likely of the Assyrians, time and time again, bigger, larger, growing nations come in, take them, and try to indoctrinate their people to their way. 
And the people of Israel lose their identity, they lose their um, uh, religious uh, beliefs because they can't practice them at times, and they lose their family and loved ones, their, their way of life. The reason so many nations want to come along and conquer them is because Jerusalem is such an important part of that region. Not only logistically, historically, theologically. This is a place, if you are powerful, that you want to own. So if you're imagining what it's like to be in Jerusalem, um, think about one of those weeks when you've just been really beat up. You know, there are different people who can do different things to you or say different things to you, all independent of one another, and maybe one's one week and maybe one's one another week, maybe one's a month later. Imagine if everyone who's ever given you grief gave you grief in the exact same moment, the exact same week. You may not have to imagine that. It may have happened. But you're just feeling sort of beat up as an individual, wondering if this is what the best, is this what I'm meant to be? Is this what I'm supposed to do? Jerusalem itself, that city, has been beat up by everyone around it, attempting to make it form towards uh, uh, the thing that they want. So that's the darkness, not only of Jesus' time, but of the time of Isaiah. But also in both instances, you have the light. Jesus is now fully engaged in the face of those forces to bring about peace. Isaiah, in that moment of darkness, is saying, a new light is coming, a new hope is coming, our God does not forget us, and we will have other opportunities. So let's look at verse 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Interesting. Because that's exactly what John the Baptist says first. The first phrase of both of their ministries is repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Let's focus on that word repent. He did not say keep on doing what you've been doing. Keep on saying what you've been saying. Keep on ignoring who you've been ignoring. Keep on gossiping the way you've been gossiping. Keep on hoarding the way you've been hoarding. Make even bigger storehouses. Who cares? He says repent. And maybe we need to hear that a little bit more. Maybe we need to hear that we need to fix it a little bit more. Our two um, great sacraments, baptism and communion, baptism says we affirm our commitment. You said that. Communion at its very beginning says, my goodness, we have fallen short. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have not loved our neighbors. We have not heard the cry of the needy. Sometimes we need to hear, you need to wake up and fix it. Because your actions and your words are not close to what you're trying to do, what we hope for you. John the Baptist himself says to the religious leaders that come from Jerusalem when they hear that this crowd is gathering, you brood of vipers. You're supposed to be shepherds taking care of the sheep. You're vipers threatening or taking their very life. John and Jesus come out with intensity, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, in my opinion, sometimes you hear about the rapture and you know, a certain part of this group's taken, a certain part of this left behind, and it's about heaven and the ultimate goal is heaven. In 
confirmation today, we talked about um, how critical our actions and our words are here on this earth now. And in my opinion, when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven has come near, he's talking about himself, not the end of the earth. God himself has become a human so that he could explain and love and heal and help and tell people, repent. You've got to fix it. It's the opportunity of a lifetime. But even in the midst of that, it's potentially harsh words in a difficult time. If you combine the two images that I'm giving you, that week where you've just been kicked by every single person, including some random person out on 29, what was their problem? Right? And imagine in that moment, somebody says to you, you come home, you're beat up, you need to fix it. You need to turn around, you need to do a better job. That might be a tough time to hear that. It could potentially be the best time to hear that. If you are at a place where you go, you know what? I haven't come close. I got to do something. I got to fix something in order to fulfill what God hopes for me. So both John the Baptist and Jesus are essentially saying, we're not waiting for the government to fix it. We're not waiting for the temple to be perfect. We're not waiting for the pastor serving your local synagogue to be the best pastor possible there to inspire you and lead you. We don't need you waiting on all three of those things to happen because you might be waiting. He says, I want you to fix it. You on an individual level. So in a way, this is a perfect text to hear. Starting off the new year, having a new president, having a new Congress. I'm not talking about which side. I'm never talking about which side. I'm talking about transition. And in that transition, some people feel, this is the hope, this is when I can get something done. And some people feel, this is hopeless, we'll never get anything done. Well, that's true. If you are going to wait on all those entities to line up, to work out for you in the best possible scenario, for you then to get up off the couch and act. Mm -mm. It's got to be on a much lower level than that. Which is interesting that Jesus goes to Galilee way out on the edges and talks to people who are out on the edges, fishermen, in the same way that shepherds out on the edges were told about his birth. Let's look at verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James son of Zebedee and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father followed them. I'm sorry, I did that every time. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. So three of the craziest words, potentially the three craziest words the disciples would ever hear in their lives, come and follow me. 
How many times have you heard the story of great-grandparents coming to the U.S. from another country just desperately scratching and clawing and trying to get a foothold to give grandparents a decent shot so that those grandparents could go from that point and establish a place for parents, the next children that came along, so that they could actually come close to owning their own business so that they could turn that over to their children. This is the American way. It's the American dream, and I've heard uh, all sorts, whether it's industry, whether it's restaurant, whether it's construction, whatever it is, somebody a long time ago paid an ultimate price to get us here, to get us here, to get us here, to get us here. This story's a little different, I'm guessing. Because they didn't leave their country. This is their country. And um, his great-grandfather fished. His grandfather fished. His father fished, Zebedee. And now these guys are fishing. My dad, when we... We didn't have a crazy yard. We had a 45-minute yard with a push lawnmower. He, one summer, said, I'm going to let you cut this little sliver. And I thought, this is the coolest thing ever. I get to operate the lawnmower. And he slow played it. He was an expert. It was awesome. The next summer, he said, you get to do the whole thing. <laughs> Great. And I did the whole thing from... 8th grade to 12th grade, 7th grade, 12th grade, whatever. Think about those little boys running along beside their father, wanting to pull the net, wanting to hold a fish, wanting to help scale the fish, now pulling the weight, doing serious work for their father Zebedee. And what's he figuring, not as the owner of this business necessarily, but as a, you know this family business, what's he figuring his two sons will do? carry the bulk of the weight. Right? Maybe they're sophomores in life. Maybe they're juniors in life. Maybe their dad's a senior in life and he's expecting those sophomores and juniors to carry the weight so that he can be a senior. They're leaving. They're walking away from all of it. Everything they've ever known to do what? To follow Christ and try to live it out. Do you think those men said, well, my goodness, the temple ain't in great order. The Romans are here. That doesn't seem good. This local synagogue leader does this weird thing when he says the word R, and I can't stand it in sermons whenever he says it. Hmm. What'd they do? They went. Perhaps that's why Jesus went to those men, because they would be the ones who would not do that. Nothing to lose. So when we are thinking to ourselves, when we're rebuilding something significant, when we think the best is to come for ourselves, for our town, for our church, for our God, what are we thinking? How can I listen? How can I follow? How can I live out this life that you have laid before me? It's definitely not by keeping doing what we've always been doing and saying what we've always been saying. We have an opportunity before us. We are called each and every week that we join to accept the love of God and to impact our community around us. If we can follow these disciples' lead, we can truly impact our community. Let us pray. Gracious God, we're thankful that you call us repent. We're thankful that you call us to fix it. 
we're sorry that we've said, well, not this moment, you know, maybe some other time. And we beg for a new opportunity to take care of ourselves, to take care of loved ones around us, to take care of those of us in the church, to take care of our community. Not to earn your love, but because you loved us before we ever knew a thing. Bless us with patience with ourselves and with others, God, that comes even close to the patience that you have granted us. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. If you'll stand as you're able and join us for number 206. this sounds strange but the flu is going crazy 
So I'm not going to shake everybody's hands after for my benefit and your benefit. Because if you shake mine, you've shaken everyone else's hand in this building. So appropriate things to do when you go by, we'll just do this. We can bow. You can do this. You can shake that. You can, I don't know, salute, whatever. Uh, whatever we do, let's just limit that for everybody here and their benefit. Um, welcome, Tompkins. Glad to have you. And glad, um, thank you all for coming. We're grateful to have you as well. Um, go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.